Welcome back to the FNF Coaches Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Guttenplan. It's been a busy month for FNF Coaches as we continue to share stories of coaches who are dealing with the pandemic. We've talked with coaches who are playing football this fall with new safety measures in place, and we've also talked with coaches who are preparing for either football in the winter or spring seasons. To find out how coaches are approaching these challenges during the pandemic, visit fnfcoaches.com. We also encourage you to subscribe to the FNF Coaches podcast on iTunes or Spotify. Each week, we'll have two new podcasts with coaches or other industry experts. Today's guest is Bill Dannenhauer, a national accounts manager for one of our partners, Sideline Power. Sideline Power works to find and bring cutting-edge technology to the football industry in order to help coaches win. Bill hosted the weekly Sideline Power series, Ballin' With Bill or Ballin' of Bill. Is it Ballin' with Bill or Ballin' of Bill? Ballin' with Bill. You ballin called it right Bill. the first time. Yeah, I thought so. Um, so Bill has a long list of accomplishments between pro wrestling, the NFL, and coaching. He even once wrestled a brown bear. That's I got that <laughs> note from uh, Matt Starr, who is the uh, founder of Sideline Power. Bill, welcome to the pod. Great to be here. So I guess we'll start with your background in football. It sounds like we have a lot of fun stories to get to, but what's your background in football? Did you play at the high school level, and how did, how did you yeah. get into it? I played here in Westside High School here in Omaha, Nebraska, and then got a college scholarship to go play football at football and wrestle at the University of Nebraska at Omaha. And thank God I didn't play any other sports because those two got dropped here a few years back, and if I'd have played anything else, it might have got dropped. But anyway, did both of those for a couple of years and then went football full time and then was a free agent for the Pittsburgh Steelers, was there with them and the Colts and then played a little bit in the USFL before it went defunct. So and then I got started in coaching and went from there. Now, when you were we've I've talked to a lot of coaches before who kind of started the same way, maybe not all the way up to the professional level. But at what point during your playing career did you start to get a sense that you might want to get into coaching? Was it something, you know, even as a young player you thought about, or was it later when your career was coming to an end? I think for me, I, I kind of grew up, my, my father was a coach also, and he coached at the high school level and the college level. He was, Him and his brother were on the original Denver Bronco team that started in 1960. So, I mean, so I kind of grew up around football, and so I grew up around uh, being a coach's kid. So it was always in the back of my mind, but as far as getting serious about it, it wasn't until the end of my career where I really started thinking this is the path. Even though my degree was in, in education, I still didn't know if that's something I wanted to do for sure until the, near the end of my playing career. Hmm. And, uh, and, what, and at what age were you when you made the transition from playing to coaching? About 24. Oh, okay. And what were, what were the biggest surprises or what were some of the challenges you encountered at first? Well, in my personal opinion, I mean, the thing is when you're a player, you don't realize what goes into everything that coaches do. And that was the first thing when I was a GA because I became the GA, uh, one of the GAs for the offensive line at UNO. And then was also the head strength coach. So I started the strength program there. And uh, as you're as you're coming out and doing film and breaking down film, and back then we used to put the film up with little tapes along the wall to put them together in the old 16 millimeter days right below right above right below a trash can so if they fell they wouldn't lose them and all that stuff but anyway you know you look back and when you start breaking down film and, and being with other football coaches you don't realize how much you don't know as a player that you learn when you first become a coach yeah absolutely and uh, yeah I, I think a lot of coaches 
you know, they want to do the X's and O's. They want to watch the film. They want to, um, you know, do the, that side of it. But there's a lot more that goes into it from an administrative standpoint. and um, Teaching point and everything, yeah, you know, yeah. and just the breakdown and looking and understanding what it takes to run each play properly and the technique for each kid and, and all that stuff. Yeah. So how long did you coach for? Well, I was, I did that. I started out at UNO, then I went up to St. Cloud with Noel. Went up there as O-line coach and strength coach, and then uh, had a chance to go to Washburn and be an offensive coordinator. So I went down there in Topeka. And then I met Harley Race, who ended up, you know, was a handsome Harley, was a famous wrestler, was a trainer. He lived in the Kansas City area. Met him through his son, who I was recruiting. And then he kind of, him and Bob Geigel started training me and wrestling. And before you know it, I left coaching and went up to Portland and started wrestling for the Portland organization under Rowdy Rowdy, Rowdy Piper. Wow. And what was that experience like? That was, I tell you what, people don't, you know, people kind of give wrestling a lot of stuff. But I'll be honest with you, as far as being trained and working out, that's the hardest thing I ever went through in my life. I mean, being Harley and Bob Geigel, a couple old-time wrestlers, they just beat you up and they wore you down and you ran stairs holding on to dummies. I mean, I worked harder there than I ever did for football. I mean, I was probably in unbelievable shape when I first started wrestling. So, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, you're, you're on the road a lot. So, I mean, it, yes, it's, there's, it's a lot of stuff planned or you call it in the ring or whatever you want to say, but um, you do it 300 days out of the year, your body takes a beating. It just does because you're on the road all the time and wrestling every night. And it's, it, it you realize, don't realize how physical it is on the body doing that every night. Yeah, absolutely. I've heard uh, that before. I think I watched maybe an Andre the Giant documentary or one of those. And that's what everybody said. It's just so hard on the body and to have a long career is difficult. How did the training differ uh, between football and wrestling? It, it, a lot more, uh, you, you, a lot more because of wrestling, because you've got to go so many minutes in a match. So a lot more aerobic than anaerobic, which football is more of an anaerobic, especially if you're an offensive lineman, there's a lot of quick stuff. And we did some aerobic work, but not at the, not at the level that we did for wrestling. Yeah. And how about training uh, players today versus training, you know, when you started coaching and you were uh, putting together strength and conditioning programs, how has it evolved? Is, is, is there new technology that you see teams using now that wasn't around back then? Oh, yeah, I think the main core lifts are still a big part of what they're doing offseason with the squat and the clean and all that stuff. I think that's still a main core in everybody's uh, in everybody's weight room, but uh, the thing that they've, the diversity that they've done and changed with as far as how they implement that strength of the football field has really, really improved in what I've seen. I mean, that as far as the technology and what they're doing as far as preparing kids to take that strength and move it to the football field is so far more advanced than what we had back when I first started. You know, we, I started under the, you know, uh, Husker power regime with Boyd Epley, who was really the founder of the NSA, NSCA, and, uh, the godfather of, I guess, of strength and training. When you look at it, when you look at the history of strength training, people look back, he is the godfather that got it started. And so I was under that regime and kind of, that's the biggest thing that I think that I've seen in transfers and the progression of strength training is how much they have gone from a lot of strength training to taking that strength and put it on the football field, which has really improved the athleticism of kids today. Right. Yeah. And you you mentioned you were on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Was that on the those great you know championship teams with Terry Bradshaw, or what era was that? That was I was at the very end of their era. Yes. Oh wow! All there, 
and you know Joe Green was still our captain. He you know, he's the one that tapped the glass, and we did anything at, the, at our meetings. He was in, you know he was in charge. Chuck Noll was our head coach, which you realize what a you know you know he was very quiet, but he doesn't. I really believe he's one of the coaches that doesn't get the recognition and he should because he's one of the greatest. When you look at his record and what he did, he's one of the greatest coaches of all time, and he built that whole team through the draft and uh, and. Uh, put those guys together and that was still when you look at that at 70s era that's still one of the greatest teams ever yeah for sure what what lessons did you learn from him that you imparted in your own coaching he never really yelled he was very calm a great teacher very demanding but a great teacher just a great a teacher of technique and how you did things and he never gave a big speech before games he was very very calm he talked about staying disciplined and all your rules and you know tom moore at that time was was a quarterback coach so i mean he was the one that dealt with terry a lot so i mean that's you look at tom moore he did peyton manning i mean look at what look at his uh, what he's done in the nfl as far as offensive coordinators and teaching quarterbacks but because back then terry called all the plays you know, he, every once in a while tom or and and chuck would call a play but terry called all the plays and uh but that was the teaching of of tom moore because eventually when you look at peyton manning that's what he was doing near the middle of his his into his career was he's calling all the plays or if he wasn't he was changing him on the sideline at the line it's right. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, Tom Moore is another guy who kind of is underappreciated because everybody just assumed Peyton Manning was, you know, running the show and just doing whatever he wanted for the longest time there, calling his own plays, like you said. But I think that takes there's a certain amount of preparation that has to take place during the week for for that to look so seamless uh, on Sundays. Oh, Tom Moore is a one thing I learned about him and Chuck, they were great teachers, but Tom was a great offensive teacher and a great quarterback teacher. And he could really work with quarterbacks. And I think if you look at the history of his career in the NFL, that's what he's shown is he's taken a kid, a guy, usually pretty good guys, but he, he's made them unbelievable in the NFL. When you look at Brad on how many Super Bowls he's won under quarterbacks under his tutelage. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, even when you think of Peyton Manning at the end of his career, you know, I think he had a couple injuries to his neck or shoulder. He wasn't really throwing that tight spiral anymore. And his, uh, you know, he didn't have the strongest arm, but just the footwork was always there. He wasn't turning the ball over. He was holding it, you know, up up right under his chin. He just wasn't – He execution was great, and his uh, fundamentals were great, which, you know, probably were learned under Tom Moore. Um, and also, he got him to the right place. Don't let nobody kid you. Those last two years where Denver was very good under him – a lot of it was him getting him to the right place, even though he was banged up, because he could he he knew how to take advantage of defenses. And Bell Belichick said that many times. He was he was a coach on the field. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He was. Um, I can't remember who was that tall quarterback, Osweiler, Brock Osweiler, like came yeah, in from Arizona State. Yeah, yeah, for a couple of games that season, and then they ended up going back to Peyton, even though you know they went to Osweiler because they were like Peyton's just physically not where you know he needs to be to be playing games in the NFL and then all of a sudden they were like oh you know maybe he can get by with his brain and you know and they ended up winning the Super Bowl that year which was crazy um I wanted to ask about so Matt gave us Matt Starr gave us that note that you've wrestled a brown bear how did that come about how did, how did you end up doing that they had a big thing in Topeka this one I was at Warsburn and a bunch of us coaches went out that night. We we're all drinking a few um, brewskis, I guess you'd want to say, or however you want to put it, on your podcast. And, and uh, there was the, they had this bear there. And one people don't think about wrestling a bear is that they got a round back. So they're very hard to pin. I mean, because they can roll right through and come up right on top of you. And then you got a 600-pound brown bear on top of you. And uh, so, I mean, 
and they had and the, and the owner has him and he he was declawed and then he had a uh, he didn't have a muzzle on but he was declawed but he's he was trained and he's trained in how to wrestle and he's never been he was never and, the, and he makes and the, the owner of the bear makes you three count him so you got to hold him down three count which is almost impossible and uh, so I said the guy's challenging me to it and said because I was the next wrestler so I got in the ring with him and I got him hooked up and, and then I got him on his back and then I figured a way to get him down I held his legs up and they couldn't, they couldn't roll through. So they get him a three count and he said that never happened before. So it was kind of, it was kind of one of them things and <laughs> got a little trouble with my head football coach the next day for doing it. Cause it was in the paper. Oh, I was going to say, you know, it's too bad that the, you know, cell phone videos while they can be, um, you know, they could definitely be having a net negative these days in society with everybody filming everything. You know, it's too bad nobody got that on film with their with their camera. <laughs> Probably lucky that it's that they, they would have emailed it to the head coach the next day. What's your what's your assistant coach doing here? <laughs> yeah, how did it end up in the paper? I it's, that probably was there, and then the, in the, not wasn't in the paper the next day. It was two days later. Coach called me in. He goes, "What is this?" And I go, "Oh, coach, I'm sorry. Too 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 many uh too many too many beers that night. A couple too many beers. Yeah, seriously, <laughs> that's funny. Um, now I want to talk about balling with Bill. How did how did the show first get started? Well, it kind of happened when when because we couldn't go to shows because of the the pandemic that went on and everything there back in March and and. Uh, uh, Matt wanted to come up with some way to get out and, and talk to coaches and, and get on. And, and we started our powered up uh, Facebook page. And now we even going to have a balling with bill page, Facebook page. that's going to come out next week, a website. It's going to be ballingwithbill.com. So, I mean, but anyway, he started it just talking to coaches. And then eventually I had Mark, who's our VP come on and talk. And then eventually I, we come up with an idea, Matt did let's start having coaches out interviewing them and talking about them and, and seeing what's going on. So we find out what's going on out there in the football world and where they're headed and as far as practicing and training. And, and so we started having coaches on and they started loving it. And then we just kept it kind of going from there. And, and uh, it's built up each week and, and coaches are now excited about coming on the podcast and doing it with me. So it's kind of, it just slowly started out and then it just kind of build up and it's, he wanted to use me because of my background in sports and, and wrestling. And he knew I could talk to people and, and visit with them and ask them things like I like you do with me and, and, and have a good interview with them. Yeah. Yeah. And what, what are you hearing from coaches during the pandemic? I know the, you know, we've been doing a similar, that I think we started our podcast right around the start of the pandemic too. Cause it was same thing. You want to connect with coaches, you want to hear what, what they're thinking and you also want to um, get a feel for, you know, things that might be helping some coaches that you might be able to lend to other coaches who are looking for, tips or mental health advice or anything like that how what are you finding out there when you're when you're talking to coaches what's the general feeling around high school football at the shows all the time coach i mean Dan, we always see you at the show so i know fnb but anyway uh, most of it is it varies i think there's some there's uh, some coaches here because the inner city of ops they didn't play football which you've seen happen around a lot around the country that and that's where they're and they're out in the outskirts they're all playing and everything and they're very frustrated because the administration made that kind of decision because now their kids are they're seeing other people playing kind of like the Big Ten. You kind of think the Big Ten sitting there looking like they really messed up because everybody's kind of moving on. They're playing they're playing high school football in their states and they're not doing anything. But I think hopefully that'll get reversed. But I mean, a lot of with the team, with the, the coaches that are playing, they're working through all the issues with their county you know, CDCs and they're getting through things. And, 
And the thing that coaches are saying when kids come down with it, a lot of times they don't even know they have it. And then they sit out there 14 days and usually if anything, nothing at all happens to, I mean, they, they're very resilient to it. Uh, but that's the biggest thing I think I've seen is the, the schools that are not playing and in their states that are playing, which is a lot in the Midwest, is 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 the, the, the ones that aren't playing are very frustrated. The coaches are frustrated and the players are very frustrated. Yeah, I, I see that. You know, it's it, because it's starting. I think it was OK in the summer when it was just training and, you know, some counties would shut down or some states would be a little bit slower in coming back than other ones. And those coaches at the time could understand and they could handle it. But now, you know, Alabama, Utah, all these states are playing on Friday night and you're seeing those videos and you're seeing the enthusiasm around high school football. And it yeah. feels like football season, you know, it's starting to feel like uh, oh, I, I live in New England and, you know, it's starting to get a little chillier at night. And you're like, oh, man, it's too bad that they're they push football here to February. This first game is going to be February 22nd in Massachusetts, which is crazy because well, you know, it's like doing it here in February. It's going to be freezing cold. Yeah, there's going to be, you know, 24 inches of snow on the ground. And yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't know how they're going to make that work. And the other issue is, um, you know, you've got kids who are committed to Division One schools. They usually leave early in the second semester. The, uh, the guys who are juniors aren't going to get their looks until, you know, February if the, if they end up pushing ahead with the season then. So there's a lot up in the air. That And uh, you're right. I think coaches just want to, you know, play and see, you know. I think I think there's a cautious um, – feeling around bringing things back and people are saying you know oh, we don't want to risk it but you're right I, I think high school kids in general are, are doing pretty well and being resilient towards the virus um, I mean if, yeah I mean it, to me it's it's that's part of being American we we get up and we fight back I mean we don't just lay down I mean and that's what football and sports show is that competitive edge and, and getting up and, and working hard every day and, and working as a team and that's what we are as a country too so you just kind of I really feel bad for the kids that aren't playing and they're going to try it in these, in the Northern States or the Midwest States like you are. Well, we didn't have anybody, uh, Wisconsin's doing it kind of different. They're doing, a lot of them are doing it in the fall, but then they have a spring season too, but they're starting to the same thing. I mean, I don't know if you've been in Wisconsin, February, and March, but it's like new England. It's colder than heck up there. <laughs> right. You yeah. got that Canadian wind. And I mean, that's going to be brutal on those kids that time of year playing outdoors. Yep. Absolutely. But I'm with you. I think I, you know, I just think, I, I, to me, if you, if you, if you, if you're doing it right and taking care of it and you're getting out there and you're doing the rules, right. There's no reason they shouldn't be playing. I, I just think it's kind of kicking the can. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now originally you had said the, the show didn't originally start, uh, balling with bill didn't originally start as a coach's show. How, how, what, what was that transition? How did it kind of morph into one? Well, I, we, I started, interviewing mark who works with me here at sideline power mark uh Schiel. and then matt kind of saw how that really we played off each other and he says why don't we start having coaches or administrators in and get other people involved and, and have them come in and interview them and and see how that goes and we started doing that and it really took off so i mean it's kind of it was just a kind of progression type thing and it, it kind of moved us in the right direction and it's it's, it's fun because I, I mean i'm an old coach probably similar you are too and and uh, I enjoy sitting down. I know a lot of them. I enjoy sitting down talking to them about their players and what they're trying to do and what they're doing in the weight room. And, and uh, it's just, it's kind of a fun time for me. Yeah, absolutely. I like, yeah, I love sitting back and talking to coaches about football. It's um, 
it's an interesting. We have, you know, you and I, we have that at those at those clinics all the time. That's right. what we all do. And then when that got canceled, that kind of put us all in withdrawals. I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was pretty crazy time there for a while. And um, you know, hopefully, it's getting back to normal. At least in a lot of states, it is. Uh, I wanted to ask about sideline power during this. How is how is sideline power doing? I know you guys came out with some customized face masks for um, players and coaches so that they could have their you know their team name on the on the face mask. How is yeah, the business I mean, doing during the pandemic? I mean, we're hanging in there. I mean, it's it's. I mean, it it took a little bit, I guess, but like everybody did in the sports business, but it's hanging in there. We're doing pretty well. I mean, we're moving product. We had we had a not as many months that we normally get as far as breaking records, but we had a few months in there. We did break records. So we're hanging in there. I mean, overall it's, it's, it's for the situation and only having what, maybe 60%, 70% of the kids playing in the United States. When you count college and high school, it's, 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 it's doing well. I yeah. mean, it's hanging in there. Yeah. I remember Matt. I, I did. I think I had Matt on the podcast earlier, um, early pandemic, like March or April. And he was saying you might've even been coming off one of your best months because coaches, you know, they have that budget in the spring and then they weren't doing seven on seven and they weren't didn't need the transportation or the food or, you know, so they had a little extra money and they said, if we don't spend this, we're going to lose it. You know, we're not going to get it back in the fall. So uh, there was a time there in the beginning, I think, early pandemic where um, the business was even up a little bit. But, yeah, after a well, while, it was up. Yeah, yeah, it was. And now the coaches, you know, that with so much uncertainty around the fall, it's kind of difficult to know what to do with budgets. I've been talking to coaches who are finding interesting and creative ways to fundraise, but it's got to be different. You know, you're not going to do those team dinners or um, golf scrambles or things like that just didn't happen this summer. Um, that, that, that hurt a lot of the teams. You're right. Yeah. And now what, what products uh, are you are really selling or what, what, what are the, some of the products that you're offering coaches going into this 2020, 2021, depending on when they're playing football in, in each state, but what are some of the products coaches are using this, this season? It's still, it's still the, the the big thing that's been going a lot for us has been the end zone cameras, different because we sell so many different types, and it's been steady. Headsets have been okay, not bad, and then drones have been going real good, and then the then people the sound, uh, the big foots and stuff like that have been coming along pretty well. But now people they like to have them out there so they can speak and they can spread the kids out and all that stuff like that. So those are the main ones, and then of course the masks have been going pretty crazy too. That picked up a lot of stuff. I mean, it was a mask right. lately too. Those are the probably the main things that are going out right now out of the out of our are being bought and, and packaged and sent to teams. Yeah, that makes sense. What are some of the things coaches should be looking for when they're making those purchases? Like, if you're if you're looking for an end zone camera, is it you know do you, you obviously want to consider the height? You want to consider what are some other things they want to consider for end zone cameras? To me, how easy it goes up and down because you, the, the, the personnel that's going to be used a lot of times are student managers and you want to be, you don't want to get something that's really complicated to set up because then it's going to take longer to set up. So it may not be ready for practice or games, or you may have functional problems with it. So I think that's something that they should always look at is how easy it goes up, how easy it puts together. And then after that, how well it works for you. But I mean, those are things because these are, it goes up and your, your, your student manager can get it up and get it down it's a lot more functional for you and they'll always be up on time for practice. Yeah, absolutely. What about headsets? Cause everybody, every team needs them, but um, a lot of coaches, especially if you're buying them, you know, complete sets for your first time, don't know exactly what they should be looking for. I mean, the main thing that, that, that you want to look at is be sure it's a 900, not 
because the 900 gives you better clearance to get around situations in the stadium that you face uh, technology-wise. Uh, but, I, I mean, it depends what you're – and that's one thing we offer is we offer different levels of headsets for to fit their budgets. And we, we think that's something we do good at Sideline Power, where it's just not – so we fit into coach's budget because that's the biggest thing you're looking at a lot of times is does that headset that you want and need fit into your budget that you can afford, especially right now with all the budgets being kind of tighter than they normally are. Yeah, absolutely. Now, are you traveling uh, or, you know, how is your actual, your day-to-day job changed? Are you, are you visiting programs and showing them these types of things or is it different now during the pandemic? I don't know know how it is for you up there, but right now around this, all this area and everything in Texas too, is even coaches recruiting aren't allowed at school. So you can't, you can't go into school. So it's, so most of our stuff has been online with coaches, emails, uh, visiting them online, uh, face facetime stuff like that and and a lot of calls and, and texting and everything so everything's right now has been done through the office because we can't you know we're kind of considered like coaches you know going out recruiting and they don't and right now they're not allowed in schools even in the state of texas yeah yeah it's a difficult time to try to uh reach coaches out you know other than the zoom the zoom is i i fought i'm sure you found this and we've too. done a lot more zooming than we have in the past that's true we've yeah yeah I was going to say, even with the podcasting, um, which you're doing too, is, you know, it's a lot easier than it was. I think, I, I actually think we started ours in January and for the first two months, you know, I would have to send long emails explaining like, hey, you need to get on Skype and then, you know, you, this is the way it works. Now, all of a sudden, every coach is using Zoom or some type of video conferencing and it's like, hey, can you jump on Zoom at this time? It's a lot easier with everybody using it. So in some ways... You know, it's easier to connect, but also, you know, for you, if you're trying to sell products and need to want to show them exactly how it works, it's probably a little bit more difficult that way. Yeah, it is. I mean, we've been, and Mark's done some, because he does a lot of the teaching on the products. He's done some online Zooms with, with coaches to help him and everything like that to show how it sets up. And I know here next week sometime, we're probably going to put a drone thing together for people that have drones. That way they can come to the website and look at how to set it up the basic issues you have with it when it, when, it, when you're first starting up your drone and all that so i mean it's yeah it's totally different than going and seeing somebody and helping them but and i do miss that too i do miss sitting down talking to coaches and helping them that way too because it's a lot more personable as you well know you're in the same thing so it's it's just different doing it now but you got to do it this is the only way to do it right now because you can't really go in there and help them right yeah you got to do it play the hand you're dealt i guess yeah um, now this is an h just don't watch me coming in the back <laughs> yeah yeah now, in terms of uh, bowling with Bill, are there guests we should keep an eye out for? Or how you know when? How should we? How can we find the podcast? And who you know who who should we expect? Or what, what can we expect over the next few weeks? Got uh, a couple top coaches coming in here. I had a real nice coach in here the other day, uh, Bob Desiris from Plattsmith, and that it'll it'll be on two o'clock Thursday. It comes on at two o'clock on Thursday on uh on youtube and then also on on our on our facebook page too so i mean on sidelinepower.com and so it'll be there for for people to watch and listen to him and he did a nice job and, and known bob a long time and he's had a ton of success in college and in high school so and then guy rosenberg's here guy rosenberg from elkhorn south is coming up here in the following week so we usually pre-tape it and then we post it on thursday very good well, we will keep an eye out for that. Bill, I really appreciate you taking the time. Like I said, I love talking football with football people, and um, it was great to talk to you about it. We'll keep our eyes out for Ballin' with Bill. Uh, you said Thursdays at 11, or did you say 2? 2 
2 p.m. 2 p.m. Okay, and we'll look for that on sidelinepower.com. Thanks so much for for we have Long Bill website too, where they'll where they go back and watch any episode they want. Right on. All right. Well, Bill, thanks so much for taking the time. I appreciate it. Hey, Dan, you have a great day and and take care out there. Okay, will do. And for all of our listeners. Like I said in the beginning, if you want to subscribe to the podcast, you will get a reminder or a note every time that one of our podcasts publishes or drops. And also visit fnfcoaches.com to find out how coaches are approaching the challenges offered by the pandemic. Thanks so much for listening. And thanks to Bill Dannenhauer from Sideline Power for for being a guest on the show. Take care. Eric Estep here. This episode is brought to you by Forney Industries. Get it done with green. Forney offers a full line of welding and plasma cutting machines, metalworking accessories, and more. For do-it-yourselfers all the way to professional metalworkers, Forney has everything you need for your next project. Shop Forney's top-of-the-line products at forneyind.com. That's Forney, F-O-R-N-E-Y, ind, I-N-D.com, or at an authorized Forney dealer near you.